Good morning. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll actually exposit the verses next week. And I'll introduce it this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's all rise for the reading of God's word, shall we? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for these words penned by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that that truth would be spoken into our lives, regardless of what circumstance we are confronted with at this moment in our lives. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations that are upon my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. You know, there are all kinds of pains and sufferings that exist in the world today. There's emotional pain and suffering, relational pain and suffering, uh, situational and circumstantial pain and suffering, and there is physical pain and suffering. You know, recently there have been a number of our church family members who have undergone, undergone physical pain and suffering. So I just focus in on that just for a few moments. I want to mention four of our members, four people who are part of this church family who have endured this over the past several weeks and even beyond that knowing that uh, there are many others who are also having afflictions that, uh, with which they are dealing with, but I'm going to focus on these four uh, because it's just, it'll take so long to just mention everything, and I don't have permission from everybody either, but I got permission from these four. You know, Linda Law has been coming to our church family, and she's waging a valiant battle with lung cancer over the past several years, and now it has spread to her brain. She has been in and out of hospitals in various forms of therapy. It's amazing how many forms of therapy she has undergone, even most recently. She's currently in the midst of of her battle, and she's pretty tired, you know, is Linda. But she's blessed me in that Linda has loved Jesus the entire way and trusts him for her life and for her future and for all the therapy treatments she's taking, even as I speak. So please join me and our staff over the course of the next several days and weeks and even months, Lord willing, that the Lord will bless the therapy that she's undergoing right now. Mike Olson suffered unconsciousness and was taken to emergency, uh, disoriented and in need of medical attention. Now, Mike has also been battling brain cancer. He is doing much better. Mike is back home, but, but Mike has a new tumor, which may be the cause of some of his recent troubles and afflictions. So pray for Mike and the family. Ed Ting recently underwent triple bypass surgery, uh, following, followed by atrial fibrillation complications. He's doing fine now, and he joined us for the big game celebration in the cafe last Sunday. It was great to see uh, Ed and Nathaniel watching the Super Bowl with us, and I was glad that there was no team from Seattle playing, because that might have added to his fibrillation. 
But we need to continue to pray for Ed uh, so that he could be put back on the kidney recipient list, which he was taken off of because of his heart surgery. And we need to join the family in prayer that the Lord will provide a kidney for uh, Brother Ed. In fact, right now, one of our members is in the process of donating a kidney to a sibling. And uh, I think that's going to happen either end of this month or early next month. And that's a trial that that family is going through, and God seems to be answering prayer. For Ed, I mean, he continues to undergo dialysis, and they just join the Ting family in praying for Ed. Albert Chong suffered a heart attack and cardiac arrest, which required resuscitation. He was then uh, in an induced coma to protect his brain. He's now doing well. And believe it or not, uh, Albert got a special leave of absence from the hospital last Sunday to go home and watch the Super Bowl. So, I mean, <laughs> I think that's what he wanted. I think one of the first requests when he woke up, I mean, he wants to see the Super Bowl at home. So they permitted it, and he's doing well. In fact, he's here this morning, here's Albert. So I asked Christy Chong to sing, his wife Christy, to sing a song this morning. Now, I had chosen this song last year for her to sing on this Sunday, or the Sunday of this particular message. And then, just before I was going to ask her, Albert suffered his heart attack, or ask her, or inform her which Sunday and what the song was. And then Albert had his heart attack, and I felt it might not be a good idea to ask Christy at this time to sing this particular song. But then last Sunday in the morning, early morning hours, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask her anyway. So I sent off an email last Sunday morning, and she consented to do so. Now, the song doesn't totally fit her circumstances, but it does reflect the fact that her family was broken, temporarily broken, uh, by, by pain and suffering when Albert had his heart attack and things were unknown. And so uh, this morning, uh, Christy's going to share this song with us as well as a short testimony. Exactly four weeks ago, I almost lost my husband of 11 years to a heart attack that is so lethal that it is called the Widowmaker Heart Attack. He was in a coma, as Pastor Corey said, for over a week, and during that time, we didn't know whether he would wake up, and even if he did, um, we were told to expect some degree of brain damage. And so from day one, we asked the body of Christ to just pray, because we knew that Albert was fighting for his life, and uh, only God could work a miracle. I also knew that I personally could not bear to walk through this painful valley all by myself. So as a result, the message went out, and literally thousands of prayer warriors from Hawaii to the East Coast, from Croatia even, to India and the Philippines, Japan, China, were all on their knees for our family 24-7. And knowing we were being lifted up by so many was truly a great blessing through it all. And we could really feel it. I mean, every day there was something that we could celebrate or be thankful for, whether it was a comforting hug from a nurse or a meal dropped off at our door, um, heartfelt cards and gifts received, um, a small sign that Albert was waking up, or just testimonies of people that um, told me that they were growing in their own faith. We prayed desperately for God's mercy and healing, and we knew God was not obligated to heal, and so I prepared for the possibility of God taking Albert home, if that was his plan. <clears throat> and although I was so fearful and anxious, I affirmed his goodness and sovereignty even in that. I had this overwhelming sense one day that, um, well, when I was driving to the hospital, that God must love our family and Albert so much to allow this to happen. 
to reveal his own glory through us, to increase our humility and neediness, and to sharpen our eternal focus and to grow our own faith. It's just amazing that he chose our family for his special purposes. And things only make sense to the good purposes of God who desires to use all things in our lives to prepare us for eternity. By God's mercy and power and by the sustaining breath of the Holy Spirit, Albert woke up. And by another miracle, God had protected Albert's brain and restored all cognitive and physical function. He's just like normal again. It's amazing. And just this past Wednesday, we picked him up to return home permanently and have been enjoying time with him, reconnecting as a family. So praise God for his mercy, his protection, and healing. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts for praying and joining together with us in just interceding on our behalves. And um, all glory be to God. Just really, it's a miracle. Our prayer now is that we do not waste this trial and the suffering in our lives, but learn to respond faithfully in a way that fundamentally transforms our character and our, our purpose and our very souls. So Pastor Corey has asked me to share this song with you now as an encouragement to those of us who are still going through brokenness, pain, and loss. Thank you, Christy. <clears throat> that was wonderful. Life does get broken from time to time. When life gets broken, where are the blessings in it? What about all those times when there is no miracle? You know, most of the time, there is no miracle. So the nature of, the, of a miracle is such that by definition, it just doesn't happen that often. That's what makes it such a miracle. If there is no miracle, if there is no change in your circumstances, in your pain and suffering for a season, how do you deal with that pain and suffering? Let me begin by saying that embodying the kingdom of God means that we as Christians should have a slightly different view, maybe a vastly different view of pain and suffering from the rest of the world. As Christians, we should value, we should value suffering and pain rather than always just trying to avoid it or get out of it. We are not to be masochistic or intentionally seek out pain and suffering. We're not to unnecessarily endure pain and suffering. We shouldn't cause needless pain and suffering in our lives or someone else's life. But we should have an appreciation for what God can do with pain and suffering when life gets broken. So where are you right now in your life's journey? Is there a brokenness somewhere in your life, maybe physically, maybe relationally, maybe circumstantially and situationally? Is there a portion of your life that just feels broken? Let me share some thoughts on pain and suffering that might be helpful. First thought, you are all here because some woman decided to endure pain and suffering in order to bring you into this world. If she wasn't willing, you wouldn't be here this morning. I remember early in my pastoral tenure, I visited one of our members, Kathy Takayama, and I got permission from her to say this. So I visited Kathy when Stacy was born, their firstborn. I remember going to the hospital, and I think it was just right after Stacy was born, I got in to go see Kathy when she got transferred to her room. I remember saying, well, what am I gonna say to her? And I remember asking her this question, oh, what are you and Dwayne gonna have your second child? 
And she looked at me and kindly and firmly said, I don't think that's a good question to ask me right now. <laughs> oh, by the way, back then, epidurals were not common. All right? They called it a saddle block back then, and it wasn't administered the way it was today, All right? uh, with such precision and, and, uh, and the dosage is so incredible, the way they handle dosages today. Back then, uh, it was just natural birth, the whole route. So there was some substantial pain and suffering. And so at that moment, Kathy didn't want to think about it because she just endured pain and suffering. Now, of course, later on, the blessing of having a child and all that, you kind of forget about the pain and suffering. And, uh, and they had their second child. She just didn't want to answer that question right there and then because of pain and suffering. Here's a second thought. If you are currently going through a painful experience, it may be difficult for you to receive this message or any message concerning pain and suffering. It's just hard when you're in the midst of suffering. My wife and I took a class called Lamaze back when we had our first child. And remember, epidurals were not common. And my wife was convinced that, and determined not, not to have an uh, epidural. And so we went to this class where they teach you breathing messages to deal with the pain and suffering of childbirth. So different forms of breathing. And they said, near the end, just before you're ready to push, you go into this rapid, shallow breathing. Right? And they, they call it the, they gave a name for it, but it's short, quick breathing when you're ready to push. All right? So uh, we're, I was there coaching my wife with a notebook that I had written all the notes from the Lamaze class. I had it down right, in colors and all that. You know. And very clearly it said, you know, uh, short, shallow breathing, well, just before you're ready to push and not before. So Rain started that breathing well before she was ready to push. And I got concerned. So I, I, I sort of bent over to her and said, Honey, you're not supposed to be breathing this way right now. And you know what she said to me? I'll breathe any way I want to. And I said, Oh, go right ahead. I, I remember closing that little notebook, and I just tossed it to the side saying, Okay. You just do whatever you want right now because you're not in a position with all that pain and suffering to hear a message that would be even helpful. So you could be going through pain and suffering right now and, and it's really hard to hear a message like this. But let me encourage you to endure and to listen and let the Holy Spirit uh, inculcate and have you assimilate the things that you need to hear from this morning's message and next week's message. C.S. Lewis wrote this. You can't see anything while your eyes are blurred with tears. Isn't that so true? When you're crying, it's hard to hear or to see anything. Over 30 years ago, I suffered from enormous back pain due to a bulging disc in my lower back. The pain was excruciating. It was a 10 out of 10 for prolonged periods of time. I couldn't sleep. And uh, it was hard. I read three books on pain, one by C two by C.S. Lewis. But it was hard to appropriate that material while I was in pain. It's hard to listen and to learn and to receive when you're suffering from, when you're suffering from pain. From the cross, Jesus himself cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at that moment, he was suffering from the pain of being crucified, the pain of being tortured and whipped beforehand, all the humiliation, being naked on that cross. And the sins of the world just come upon him. 
and he felt distance from his father for whom he had total and intimate fellowship for all eternity. Even the Son of God reacted to pain and suffering. So little wonder we do. Third thought, it's important to seek and derive meaning in our suffering. Remember that it's important to derive some sort of meaning in our suffering. Viktor Frankl, he is a World War II concentration camp survivor. And if anyone knows human pain and suffering, it's someone who was in one of those camps. The misery that was there. And this is what Frankl wrote. When we suffer, the single most important ingredient is seeing purpose in it. Lack of purpose breeds hopelessness. Purpose imparts the, the strength to sustain. Suffering ceases to be suffering in some way at the moment it finds a meaning. Brother Lawrence, a 17th century monk, stated, To suffer is one thing. To suffer without meaning is another. But to suffer and choose not to press for any meaning is different again. God will always bring meaning to our pain and suffering if we allow ourselves to try to pursue it and understand it when the time comes when our eyes are no longer blurred by tears. Meaning will come. And as believers, we embrace that and we believe it because that's what the scripture teaches. Here's a fourth thought from Lewis Meads, one of my favorite seminary professors. Ministries of healing are not the main Christian answer to suffering. Did you get that? Ministries of healing is not the main answer to suffering. At their very best, they eliminate a particular suffering of a particular person. They do not remove all suffering from life. And there are still many others suffering the same suffering that was just healed. The healings are signs that God is alive, that Christ is Lord, and that suffering is not the last word about human ex existence and experience. So there are times when God will interject that miracle to show that, you know, suffering doesn't have the last word on Jesus. And if God decides to bring healing, it will come. But that's not the main course source of ministry for the church, healing from all suffering. Lewis continued to write, this is the fifth thought, healing from within suffering is as wonderful as healing from suffering. Healing from within suffering is as wonderful as healing from suffering. God gives inner strength that compensates for loss and gives a sufferer resourcefulness to live faithfully and effectively. I remember that statement, something I'm going to share toward the end of this particular portion of the message. Now here's a myth about pain and suffering. This is a myth that many of us embrace from once we were little. If I ignore my pain, it will go away. If I ignore my pain, it will eventually go away. It will dissipate. Dr. M. Scott Peck wrote this. Fearing pain, most of us, to a greater or lesser degree, avoid, attempt to avoid problems. We procrastinate hoping they will go away. We ignore and pretend they don't exist. We attempt to get out of them rather than suffer through them. Those are wise words. Scott didn't live by those words, by the way, and he let a reprobate knife. He should have followed his own advice. Here's a word to the men. This is a sidebar. Men in our church family, if you have a physical pain somewhere in your body, if something doesn't feel right with your body, would you please go see a doctor? A lot of times, 
men feel something that's wrong with their body, they're exhibiting some sort of pain, even chest pains. And then the, their wives encourage them, why don't you go see a doctor, honey? And they go, no, nah, it's okay, it'll go away. That is not a wise position to take. So gentlemen, especially the older gentlemen, if something happens and you don't feel right, if you have an ache someplace that didn't, wasn't there before, if you're suffering some, from some discomfort in your chest, would you please go see a doctor? We're not, I'm now recommending it. When you're 40 years old, go get a stress test done on you. It doesn't reveal everything, but it'll be helpful. At least it'll give you a baseline EKG. So men, would you please do that? And wives, if you're men, don't do that. Even in my retirement, you can call me and I'll, and I'll talk to your husband. <laughs> All right. M. Scott uh, Peck also wrote, problems do not go away. They must be worked through or else they will remain. Forever a barrier to growth and development of the spirit. Don't deny problems. They don't just go away. They need to be addressed and dealt with. Now, there are two types of pain and suffering. Two types of pain and suffering. There is good pain and suffering, and there is bad pain and suffering. Good and bad. Not all pain and suffering are alike. Let me give you my favorite illustration. I've shared this before. It's my favorite, one of my favorite illustrations. If you walked out of an evening meeting and a guy with a mask walked up to you in the dark parking lot, took out a knife, stabbed you in the stomach, took all your money, and left you in an unconscious state, you would call him a mugger, and you'd call the police. But if you left an evening meeting, drove down the street, walked into a room, and a guy with a mask came to you in a brightly lit room, took out a knife, cut open your stomach, took all your money, and left you in an unconscious state, you would call him a doctor. And you would thank him for helping you. One is a mugging, the other is a surger, surger, or surgery. Albert's a surgeon, by the way. <laughs> See, the first is bad pain and suffering. The second is good pain and suffering. And we need to be able to distinguish the two. Now remember, God can deal with both. And he does deal with both. And he will give meaning to both. But they do exist. There's a dichotomy in pain and suffering. There's good and there's bad. Let me share with you some bad pain and suffering. Bad pain and suffering occurs as a result of a collision of three things. This is not in every case, but in some cases, maybe even most. The existence of character flaws, the existence of character faults, the repetition of old patterns, and the desire to avoid pain and suffering. You're a procrastinator. It causes you to suffer in your life especially in paying debts. You're late paying debts. You keep procrastinating even though you get these collection letters and you avoid the issue altogether through procrastination and eventually you lose your credit rating or your, house get, or your car gets repossessed. That is bad pain and suffering. There's something, there's something you can do about that pain and suffering. Proverbs 26.11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit, is a fool who, who repeats his folly. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Now, I had an illustration for this, but it's not appropriate for Sunday mornings. I'll do, I can share it at a men's retreat, though. Now, two qualities of bad pain and suffering. Bad pain and suffering is destructive. Bad pain and suffering is normally the result of one's own sin or someone else's sin perpetrated on you. Here's some examples of bad pain and suffering. 
pain from spousal or child abuse, pain from making bad choices and investments, friends, housing, pain from repeating poor work habits, pain from addictions, pain from not setting good and healthy boundaries, pain from lack of forgiveness. When we don't forgive, it causes pain and suffering, and a lot of that is actually on us. Pain from isolation, not being in fellowship with others. It's all bad forms of pain and suffering that could be avoided. Remember that God can still use bad pain and suffering for good. Think of the life of Joseph. His brother did all those horrible things to him, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. He got, he got betrayed in Potiphar's house. Uh, the, uh, the two guys in prison forgot that he could interpret dreams for a long period of time, and he remained in prison. All these bad things happened. All this pain and suffering happened in Joseph's life. And what did he say at the very end, in the last chapter of Genesis? He said to his brothers, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. God gave meaning to all of Joseph's pain and suffering for all those years. Without a clue as to what God's plan was, he remained faithful, and at the very end, God revealed meaning to Joseph's pain and suffering. And you may be in that journey right now, where someday you'll be able to say, this person intended it for evil, but God, you intended it for good, and now I see the good that you intended for me and for those around me. Now, there are good reasons why we experience pain and, re and suffering. Let me share with you six reasons, good reasons for suffering. Six good reasons for pain and suffering. One, suffering fits into a pattern for our good and God's glory. Two, suffering forces us to make decisions about God. Three, suffering does a job on our character. Four, suffering makes heaven come alive to us. Five, suffering jerks our thought life right side up. Six, Suffering makes us a lot more sensitive to people who are hurting. Now, these are all biblical reasons, and I'll, get over, I'll go over them next week. Now, you might say, yeah, I mean, that's easy for you to say because you're not going through the pain and suffering I'm going through right now, and that would be true. Except I'm not the author of these six things. The author of these six things is Johnny Tata Erickson, or Don, Johnny Erickson Tata. All right? She was a vivacious, young, beautiful girl, who took a dive head first into a shallow body of water, broke her neck, and became a quadriplegic for her entire life. And she is about my age today. So all those years, maybe 50 years, as a quadriplegic. Here's a picture of Johnny Erickson Tata. Notice what she's doing there. She is painting. Man, it's incredible. She paints by putting a, a brush between her teeth. And she's a remarkable artist. This is what she says. She says, there are good reasons why we suffer. I found reasons and I discovered answers. I saw God's goodness at work. From her, that's not a simplistic answer. From her, it's not a shallow answer. From her, boy, it rings truth. In fact, somewhere, she said, after I was released from the hospital and after the first couple of years settling into a life in a wheelchair, I made a mental checklist. You've probably done the same thing when you've come up against heartache and, and worship, or hardship. Do you mind if I let you inside my head for a moment to describe the checklist and what it sounded like? So this is her checklist. One, I have learned that all things fit together into a pattern for my good and God's glory. 
That doesn't mean being famous. It doesn't mean being a best-selling author, people knowing me. It simply means being like Christ. Okay, check. I've got that one. Hardships have forced me to make decisions about God. Ah, this wheelchair has made muscular my faith. I can believe him more now than I did before the accident. Check. Suffering has done a job on my character. I'm not so sloppy about relationships. I stick to promises. I'm at least more patient. Well, kind of. Okay, check. I've got that one. Being paralyzed has made heaven come alive. Not in a cop-out way, but in a way that makes me want to live life better here on earth because I know full well more is coming in the next. And who would understand that better than her? Check. My thought life sure has been jerked right side up. Can't reach for the common temptations most people do. Check. Suffering. Oh God, thank you. Suffering has made me a lot more sensitive to people who are hurting. I could not have cared less about quadriplegics like me before my accident, but I'm more sensitive now. Check. You know, coming from her, those six reasons I shared, don't, shall, don't sound shallow or insensitive whatsoever because she has lived the life. To God's glory, I might add. Layla Olson wrote this regarding Mike. Good news. We give God the glory for healing and recovering thus far. We thank God for the work in the hearts of Mike, his family, and our church family. Simple acts of love, a visit, quietly sitting, holding Mike in prayer, holding him to enable simple nursing procedures when Mike was unable to still himself, meals, home modifications, help in the yard to clear a pathway, and a warm welcome back to fellowship have filled him with gratitude. Where there was doubt of his worth, there are acts of love that speak to him of God's presence and Christ's sacrifice. What exactly are you going through right now in your life? Is there a portion of your life that is broken right now? Have you experienced in the recent past a brokenness of life? Or God forbid, although I know it's going to happen, how are you going to respond in your life when your life gets broken? You know, we have options as a believer in Jesus. We don't have to just sit and mope in a wheelchair because we can't use our arms and our legs. We can be like, like Johnny Erickson Tata and live a full and vivacious life in Christ. Looking forward to the day when all her ailments will be healed and she will walk and dance and prance in the kingdom of heaven. That's the God whom we worship. That's the God whom she worships, and that's why she's had such a wonderful and fruitful life. Not trouble-free, not suffering-free, not tribulation-free, but a wonderful life in Jesus. And if she can say that, man, we have no excuse in our lives to say anything other than that if we are walking with our Savior. Are you walking with the Savior of the world, Jesus? Because if you're not, the Savior of the world would like you to walk with him. How do you walk with him? 
you confess him. You say, I know who you are, Jesus. You are God's son. And you died on the cross for me. And you want this relationship with me. And if I just concede my life to you, if I submit myself to you, if I give myself to you, and allow you to be my Lord and my Savior, I know you'll walk with me all the days of my life. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. And if you're sitting here and you've never made that confession of faith, Jesus desires you to do just that right now. So I'd love to lead you in a prayer where that can happen. So let's all pray together, but especially and specifically for those of you who've never asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, let me invite you to do so right now at this very moment in your eternal life. This is the prayer I'd like you to repeat. God will hear it. God will embrace this prayer and make you his child. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you are God's son, that you died on a cross, that you rose from the grave. I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my life as my Savior and Lord. If you close off that prayer with an amen, your journey has just begun. You will grow, you'll mature, you'll learn what it means to walk with the Savior. And when trials and tribulations and suffering hit, the Lord will walk you through it, for he is indeed the God of all comfort. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, with exception of our pastors, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you please raise your hand and raise it high so we can see it and support you in your decision. So please, raise your hand now, raise it high. Be of good courage. Raise it high so that one of us can see it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? One of our pastors will come to you after the benediction and just sit with you for a moment so that they can support you in your newfound decision in Christ. If you have anything you want to pray for, anybody that's in the sanctuary, to my left, your right, will be our prayer ministry team who love to pray for you, especially if you're going through a time of pain and suffering. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, we were at our staff retreat when um, Albert had his heart attack and, our, and uh, Ed was going through his triple bypass surgery. And it was a really heavy retreat, at least for me. I joined uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and Pastor Kenny Wada. We sang this song like twice, and I just couldn't get through this. I cried through the whole song, uh, knowing that there are members in our church family going through pain and suffering. It was really a traumatic time for me. Uh, uh, and a dramatic time, because I don't usually cry in, you know, in situations, no matter how, because I take on a pastoral role, so I usually have a dry eye. But man, I just I even couldn't even pray during the retreat, because our hearts were with uh, the Chongs and the Tings and with Linda, and just all the things. And then later on, then Mike had his, in, his, his incident, and it just was like overwhelming. And we were studying, and what we've been studying is shepherding, you know, the whole eldership series. And this is what Ezekiel says a good shepherd is supposed to be like, like Jesus, like David. He says, I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. But look what he says next. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. He doesn't say heal the sick. You bind up the broken and you, and you strengthen the sick. So our role isn't always just to bring healing. It's to bring strength. And the thing that I've learned is as we shepherd people, and you all get chances to do that, as you shepherd people and you strengthen them, a marvelous thing happens. You get strengthened. 
And so I think these families have strengthened me much more than I have strengthened them. I have received so much more than I have given. And as you serve one another, as you shepherd one another, you'll discover that. As you try to strengthen, as you try to help, you will end up receiving far more than you could ever give. And that's the economy of our Lord. Now receive the blessing of the benediction. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you joy, peace, and holiness all the days of your lives. And may you leave this place understanding how very much the Lord loves you, even in the midst of any pain and suffering you could ever experience. He is the God of all comfort. Amen and amen.